Hello and welcome to the first ever edition of the Out of Bounds Podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I am Nate Sharman and joining me to my left is four-time Silver Creek Golf Course Club champion and VP of content here at FingerLakes1.com, Mr. Josh Durso. Josh, pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, we got it. We finally made it happen. Took like six months for this podcast to come from like idea to us physically sitting here talking about it, but yeah, we did it. Yeah, and I like to think even before I started out here at six months ago that we've that's something we've talked about even. You know, both of us just love yeah. talking about golf and, and love the golf landscape of things, so let's, might as well get right into it. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about professional golf and some local stuff, too, as well. So it's a pretty timely podcast in terms of we just saw one of, the, one of my favorite um, ma- majors to date, the Open Championship, Cameron Smith coming out victorious in that. What a fun tournament to watch. It was crazy. Um, it was one of the few, it feels like, over the last two years that really uh, genuinely came down to the final four or five holes. Um, Rory McIlroy, despite, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, his play and what he's taking away from it later, but like even what he was going through throughout his round and how his round progressed, uh, he still was in it on 16 and 17 and then on 18. Uh, and, and it was, it was awesome because it wasn't just two players, even though I think it set up like it was going to be a two player race between Victor Hovland, uh, and Cam Smith, obviously, but um, it, it, was a, it was a really, really good event, good for golf. Right, and of course, it's the old course of St. Andrews. I mean, what, where can you get more historic golf in terms of that golf course and what it means to the whole golf landscape? And we'll get a little bit more of that and kind of how our opinions of that golf course are, um, whether you're a Lynx golf fan or not. But going back to Rory McIlroy, he put on a ball-striking display. I mean, you can't hit the golf ball any better than he did. He hit every single green. According to Justin Ray on Twitter, he's the only golfer that he can remember in in recent memory to hold the 54-hole lead, hit every single green in regulation on Sunday, and lose the golf tournament. I mean, it's St. Andrews, so the greens are like, Hundred yards, hundred feet wide, but which plays a little bit of part into it. But still, he knocked it on every single green regulation. Yeah, I mean, he played uh, short of as you and I have talked a little bit about uh, Cam Smith going nuclear two different times uh, during a four-round golf event. Uh, you know, he played the most consistent uh, golf, even on Sunday when his when his play I think was maybe criticized a little bit for being too conservative. Yeah. He he still played the most consistent golf right. over the four days of anybody. Um, maybe, maybe you can make the argument for Cam Smith, but it was, you know, I, I kind of was thinking before, uh, before we came on here, you know, what, what was it for uh, Rory on Sunday that was, you know, he lost, but what was it that made him the loser that day? It seemed like it was like 50% bad game plan playing too conservatively, uh, 25% just bad breaks. If a putter two falls on the front nine, he probably has a completely different oh, for sure. energy coming down the stretch. And then 25% maybe unrealistic expectations with just kind of everything that had been surrounding him and surrounding golf. Um, coming into it with the live conversation and how out front Rory has been uh, opposing live. Um, so just kind of this, the, the world's expectations that, that Rory was going to win it. Right. Um, but, you know, like I, I, it's so much of it. For him, and I think one reason why he can still be, um, he could still win a bunch of bunch of tournaments coming down the stretch now in the remainder of the season is because his game is arguably like top three in the world right now. I don't oh, really yeah. think. I, I mean, agree. like he, he overall he hasn't done anything wrong. Like he's mm-hmm. just played incredible golf, and he played incredible golf under um, really interesting 
circumstances. Right. And it's just Cameron Smith is unbelievable. You know, he shoots 30 coming in on the back nine, goes and wins the golf tournament, makes five birdies in a row, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I thought he was going to keep making them, to be honest. It was really, really fun to watch, as a, and especially with the, the, the uh, being played at the earlier time due to the time change. I kind of like watching it finish up around 2 o'clock. That's yeah. kind of nice for me. You know, I'm an old guy at heart, so I hope wake up early. So I do like the British Open in that aspect. But it's just fun. Kind of, it was just so much fun to watch him just finish like that because it's, it's incredible. Yeah, and I think the interesting, you know, with all the storylines that we had coming in, probably the most uh, fascinating takeaway that we have for Cam Smith beyond the live golf discussion, which we will be getting into that in a few minutes here, um, he put on basically as authoritative um, a performance especially Saturday or Friday and Sunday, if we're going to take those two rounds when he, when he really went off, um, as, uh, as we saw Scotty Scheffler in the first half of the year. Right. Um, so it really, like, he really, his stock really rose, I think, to, to basically equal footing. Um, what he does next is a, is a different debate. But obviously those were the two, or the two or three people that everyone was talking about on Sunday. One person that no one was talking about on the weekend uh, at least in terms of playing golf, is Tiger Woods, right? Oh, who just—he—he he didn't even look like a guy who should have been there. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. It's—it's—it's it's, it's unfortunate though. He's on number one, number one, not a very long hole, so he takes less than driver, hits it right down the right down the center of the fairway, and it ends up in a divot. Right. That's just a brutal start. I mean, I know there's there's no such thing as excuses, but you know, he takes the second shot. He's thinking about the divot. And, you know, he, he chunks it and it lands in the water. And he makes it an opening double. You know, the first hole, that's never really a good start. And then and that's something Tiger's done before, and he's been able to overcome it. But this is a little bit different of a Tiger. But it's just so much fun to watch him out there. I think Max Homa did a really good job describing it. He got the pleasure to play with him this week. You know, just watching him come over that 18th, 18th bridge on Friday. You know, it, you know he's, he's way out of it. It doesn't matter. But it's just Tiger Woods. It's historic, the old course, and most likely the last time we'll ever see him there. I, see, I disagree. I think he's. I think. I don't think he'll to, play there. In, it, what's what's it? Six years, and they'll play there again. I would be surprised if he played there again. I think he's going to play. And here's my when I think about what this past weekend was for Tiger Woods, um, it was as much ceremonial as it was about him trying to go out and compete and win. I think anybody, anybody who had watched him play, the the two times that we'd seen him play prior to this, uh, excluding last December uh, mm-hmm. in the majors, you know, you had to know he wasn't going to compete or, or win. It just wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, so to say that he can't have another ceremonial participation run through again in six years or five years, or maybe they, you know, I've seen some chatter about uh, potentially trying to get St. Andrews moved up in the rotation to, to possibly have it be hosted in four years or five years. Um, I, I think it's possible. He's not, it's not like he's going to be 60 years old, you know, and he's not clearly, he's not going to be playing in other events. I mean, he made it pretty clear that he struggles to get around 18 holes. So we're not going to see him participating in, you know, these random tour stops. I just don't see why he would play again, because knowing Tiger, he's only going to play in a golf tournament if he can win. So in six years, um, see where his health is, but if he can't compete now, what makes you think he can compete in six years? So, but is his role in the game different in six years? And that's where I think things start to shift a little bit, especially if we do see, um, I don't really, I don't think it's going to happen, but if Liv does 
grow and turn into this like competing tour. Uh, Tiger has been really upfront about how he feels about Liv and how he feels about the tour and, and why players should be staying in the tour. I think his role in the tour could very well be evolving um, uh, over the next two, three, four years. And definitely in five or six years or seven years, whenever it winds up back, he's obviously going to be well beyond, like you said, that, that yeah. window of him potentially winning uh, an Open. But at the same time, still not like a, a Nicholas stage or a right. Palmer stage where they're in their 60s or 70s and strictly there for just sort of uh, one-day ceremony and, and out and about. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just think Tiger's got that professional in him that he only wants to be there if he's going to try to win the golf tournament. But like you said, that could change. Um, I think that's a good segue to get into Live because I, I've been infatuated with the Live Tour in the last few months. I mean, it's by far been the most important topic in the landscape of golf. Uh, in the last few months, so if you if you if you're new to this, Live is newly newly formed professional golf league backed by the Saudi Arab Saudi Arabian uh, Foundation. They have eight events this year, and if you join the Live Tour, if you leave the PGA Tour and join this new tour, they will in fact ban you from all PGA Tour players. Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, has been very steadfast on that. You're not allowed to play in any PGA Tour events. Uh, for now, you're able to play in the majors. That could change. There's been chatter kind of up and down if that's going to change. But for now, you can play in those four tournaments. And the kind of the meaning behind it is that Saudis just have more money than they know what to do with. And they're willing to spend it and willing to get big guys to come over and play in their tournaments and play in their events and, and, and really do it. I think they can succeed by just throwing money at the problem. It's going to be interesting to see if they'll be able to do that. But. A little bit of sports washing going on. For yes, sure. definitely. Um, it's interesting because one of the questions we were kind of tossing back and forth was, did uh, the live stock increase or decrease? That's a great question. Weekend. And, you know, to me, it felt like it just remained flat. Like there wasn't any big change, right? Like mm. it, major championship golf is in a category of its own, especially when it comes to people watching. Right. Like, you know, your casual fans the Average watching. viewer, yeah. Um, Liv can't, nor will it ever, be able to compete with that. The same, the same can be said for the PGA Tour and these events week in and week out, the John Deere and things like that. You have some exceptions, I think, like the Players' Championship, um, which is kind of viewed as like the fifth major, obviously. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't think this past weekend did anything. You know, like there were lots of complaints about pace of play the first two days uh, at the Open. Yep. Um, you know, live shotguns. And does that mean, uh, for those who might not know, shotgun, you just start on every hole. Um, you know, does that, does, would that fix the problem? Would that fix the pace of play problem that the PGA Tour is developing right now or has developed over the last few years? No. So, you know, all, I, I didn't see anything this past weekend that made me think, oh, wow, yeah, Live Tour is a much more valuable product now than it was on Wednesday last week. I think the pace of play issue at St. Andrews is an old course issue. Oh, yeah. You know, you have a golf course that has at least three shared greens on it, three or four at least drivable par fours. So, you know, they're oftentimes waiting for the green to clear or waving guys up. And it just doesn't, it's not a perfect process, um, especially there. I don't think the pairs pace of play issue on the PGA Tour. You hear guys talking about it, but I don't really think it's an issue. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes it can get a little slow, but it, it's still not egregious. Um, you had some long rounds at St. Andrews, but that's primarily an old course issue. Uh, with shared greens and short par fours and all that things. Yeah, St. Andrews feels like a maze without walls in a lot of ways. You yeah, get, but you it's got pretty players cool, though. Bobbing and weaving all over the place. 
Um, yeah, and I agree. It's it is a a cool thing, and I think one of the one of the conversation pieces that we were kind of uh, throwing back and forth yesterday was just you know um, St Andrews Place in modern uh, modern golf, mm-hmm. and minus the live conversation, I think there is a conversation to be had about where. Uh, the Open Championship sits uh, in relation to the other uh, three majors and how challenging it is and what scoring looks like because European golf in general, I don't think is conducive to low scoring as much as it used to be weather permitting. Weather permitting, yes. So I think there's too many variables in Lynx golf. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I saw it a couple times where you, you think a guy's drive is going to bounce like the other, other drives and land on the green, but it just doesn't bounce right. in some spots. If it hits the right, wrong spot or an upslope or downslope, uh, vice versa. Or you're going to hit the ball down the middle of the fairway and you're in a bunker that's 30 feet deep. Right. So it's just like, it's, it's, there's just a lot of variables to me. I understand that's the work golf has been created. And that's, I don't think in any way, shape or form we should go away from it. But it's still, I think it's a valid talking point to talk about how it's way different than the American game or American courses rather. Yeah, so it's it's just interesting, but I think it's really cool to watch. But there's just so many variables, and, and I think it has its place. And I think if you know if the game were if the tour were more global, um, this would be a problem that's f- would have been fixed in the past. But the PGA Tour uh, and obviously the DP World Tour, European, it, it, there never really has been a strong, mm-hmm. cohesive effort across the board. Um, one of the questions that keeps popping up over and over again is. What does the PGA Tour need to learn from live? And obviously, we've seen a couple of live events now. And I'm curious if there's anything that stands out to you, um, whether it be from just the, the interacting of players and media and fans, or whether it be like actual structure of tournaments, um, that the PGA Tour could pick up and maybe use to, to benefit its product and, and consumers. So what I think is the coolest part and the most fun part to watch about Live is something that is hard to change for the PGA Tour. Since the Live Tour is streamed on YouTube and not it doesn't have a major broadcasting partner, they don't have to have commercials or anything like that. Right. So they can just show constant golf shots. And the fact that they have shotgun too, they have someone on every hole hitting a ball at every single moment. You run into some problems, especially towards the end of tournaments where you're watching someone talk in the cabin about something and you're like, okay, I want to see someone hit a golf ball. Right. So that's something they could learn. I, but I realize that there is really tremendous kind of problems that come with that. You have, you have things you need to oblige to with, um, with TV partners and stuff like that. Yep. So that's going to be something challenging. But I think they can definitely learn and, and kind of grow through that and, and show that people do want to see that. They want to see people hitting. Yeah, and I think it, it, it will probably push the PGA Tour to be a little more creative. Yes, for sure. In how they execute. Uh, the the TV side or the production side of tournaments. Now it's always going to be a lot easier for Live to do whatever the yeah, hell they want to because unlimited money. Yeah, they they have no business. And they model. don't want to make money. They don't really care. Right. So it's you know how do the PGA Tour probably shouldn't pay too much attention or uh, focus too much on trying to compete with it or try to be exactly like it. But I don't just think they can compete because of the money. Out, figure out ways to tighten it up a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's interesting because there, again, that leads perfectly into this whole conversation about, um, people who think live is going to, at some point here, outshine the PGA tour and what the product that it puts out on a week in and week out basis. And to me, and chime in here, um, I just don't see it because like, there's a finite amount of audience, uh, and energy and willingness to consume, a professional sport like that. Yeah. 
And when you introduce a new product, I know everybody's been saying, grow the game, grow the game, grow the game. This is going to grow the game. Just because you add another option doesn't mean you're going to add another round of, of potential viewers. Like you're most likely just pulling from your existing viewer pool. So I, I don't see it happening. People have too many options when it comes to sports and entertainment. Um, you know, I, I think about some of the things that have done a good job of growing the game. And I think of, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of the stuff we've seen on social media, basically, mm -hmm. that's actually grown the game for the common person, for the common amateur golfer. Um, there's not a lot that I think I texted you after Sunday and I said, you know, there isn't much that's relatable to the average golfer watching Rory McIlroy just absolutely pummel a drive being like five, seven or five, eight and built like an absolute tank. Like right. there's nothing relatable about that to, to the average golfer who's just playing on Saturday or Sunday with their friends. And that's kind of the, the dynamic, like those, these tours, um, whether it's the DP or whether it's, uh, the, the PGA or live, they've all got to fight the, the attention span problem that we have right now. And there's just right. too many options and, uh, not, not enough time. It seems because people's, uh, the, the amount of time that people are spending consuming these different products is getting lesser and lesser, not more and more. Right. I think that there would be two major problems that the PGA Tour could face with the Live Tour. Uh, right now, not too many problems, but I think if they're able to find a major broadcasting network that will show them, oh, yeah. I think that'd be a huge, that could be a huge detriment. Yeah. Because I think right now, you take a look at your audience for terms, in terms of golf, it's sometimes an older crowd that has cable, yeah. so they're not going to go and go on YouTube and watch the Live Tour. They're just, they're just not. You know, they're going to go to Channel 3 and watch the final round of the Genesis Open. Yep. You know, they're gonna, that's what they're going to do, and they're going to watch that. So that's the first problem, I think, is that if they were able to get, like, a, a network like Fox or a network, anything like that, to broadcast them on cable television, I think that would be a huge problem. And the other one we're kind of starting to see now, if you get a, guy, a young guy with potential to win a lot, i.e. Cameron Smith, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, um, Justin Thomas, a lot of those guys have dis dis disarmed the rumors, but if you're able to get some of those guys that are still winning and still playing at a high level in their prime to come to the live tour, then you got a real problem because I think a lot of guys think about, you know, I want to play against the best golfers in the world. Mm -hmm. And if the best golfers in the one best golfer goes in the world, in the world, like IE Cameron Smith goes to live, goes to the live tour, you could see a domino effect. Right. Um, it's just, it's just going to take one guy to, to, to want the money. And, and think about that and, and to get more guys to go. And it could happen, but we're seeing with Cameron Smith that it's very much so a possibility that he goes to live. So to that end, you, you mentioned that and it made me, immediately made me think like the opposite. So let's go to the, the opposite side of the table. Um, if the PGA Tour started streaming effectively tomorrow, the way live is streaming right now, um, it would almost reverse the... It would almost turn the tables, I think, because... That is a short-term, like the, the situation you described with a major broadcast partner partnering with Live and all the baggage that comes along with that is a short-term problem because people who are under the age of 40, people who are under the age of 30, and certainly people who are under the age of 20 are not going to be mainstream NBC, CBS, ABC consumers. That's true, yes. 10, 15 years from now. So right now, realistically, the PGA Tour should be figuring out how it can stream the best product possible because right now that's not where the audience, by and large, is. I think the Live Tour will always do a better job at that because they don't have to 
worry about commercials. They can just continue to throw unlimited money at the problem. PGA Tour is always going to have to find a way to make money off of it. The Live Tour is not going to matter as much. Yeah, it's interesting because I think one of the one of the big question marks with the PGA Tour is what is the real cost for them to produce that TV level mm-hmm. um, production? Because we know they're capturing, we know they're capturing the content, right? Like we know every we, we see it on Twitter and we see it on Instagram. Like every swing is captured, whether it's televised or not, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. But it's not being streamed anywhere. Why? And it's being held until, or it's being pushed off, and, and the people who are like watching are only seeing featured groups right. streaming, or, you know, it's this question of like, what's the why? Can the tour identify the why and fix for that problem so that they can just stream a complete product all the time from 8 or 8.15 or 8.30, whenever that first group goes out Thursday morning until the final putt is tapped in? Sunday afternoon, to me, that seems like the one obvious place where the PGA Tour can learn and grow and get better and mm-hmm. kind of put Liv in its place. Because Liv is never going, I don't think Liv is ever going to, especially with having already committed to this shorter schedule, like just by sheer volume, PGA Tour is going to be able to like out compete week in and week out with viewers. Viewers go where there's a product most readily available. Right. If Liv is only going to have what 13, 14 events a year, yeah, year leaves year. a lot of downtime throughout the year for people to be consuming another product. Mm-hmm. So it feels to me like the the streaming aspect of it is where the PGA Tour should be focusing its energy at this point. The Camp Smith debate is so interesting. I I, I think it would be painful, like you you said, that would be a big loss. But at the same time, I wonder if he has enough brand or clout um, with the, I'll say, the very casual uh, PGA Tour or, or golf fan to have the kind of impact that to you or I, um, Cam Smith leaving would have. Because he's not a Bryce DeChambeau. He's not a Brooks Kepka, He is not a Phil Mickelson. He's not, yes, he is, he is literally one of the two best golfers on the planet right now. Yep. And I don't think there's any debating that. Right. But... 95% of people who, who've watched golf in the last two months probably don't even know who he is or, or what his significance is in golf. I don't know. I think because he's an Australian with a mullet, I think people know who he is. I think that does a really good job branding him. You know, if you see a picture of him, that's Cameron Smith. I, I would like to think that your casual golf fan, I mean, now, now they definitely do with the Brit- winning the British Open, but... He just does. He's done a fantastic job branding with that. With you know, everyone loves an Australian, right? No one, yeah. no one's gonna not like an Australian with a mullet like that and makes every single pot he looks at. Yeah. How can you hate him? Well, and plus, like <laughs> when I listen to him interact with the media, um, he um, he feels a lot like uh, DJ. He feels a lot like Dustin yes, Johnson. I would agree. Um, and I almost wonder if, like, we live in we live in the age of internet personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think more people know who Max Homa is than know who Cam Smith is. Ah, uh, yeah, that's probably true. And that is like in in terms to just in terms of golf, that kind of paints the the issue here that I I see that with this is like, so if Cam Smith goes to live, I don't think it's as big a deal if, for example, like Max went to to live. You know, I think yeah. there's that kind of dynamic. You know. It would be different if you saw a mass exodus of, you know, 10 of the top 20 players in the world. That's what could happen, though, if Cameron Smith goes, I think. I, it doesn't. Well, 
I guess it would it would be interesting to see, but given the makeup of the top 20 and how in, out front most of them have been, even though some people read into McElroy having a slightly different tone. Yeah, he twisted his whole word. Last yeah. couple weeks about Liv. Um, you know, I think that also could just be him getting comfortable mm-hmm. with the fact that Liv is going to be around and nothing he can say is going to like change the fact that Liv's going to be around. Um, but I, I, I just don't see... I don't see it happening, and at the end of the day, it just kind of waters down um, the the pool that Liv has in the long term. Because remember, right now, they're, all these players are ranked in the top 100, but they're going to have to find a way to stay ranked in the top 100. Uh, I think I was just looking at a chart a little while ago where yeah. at the end of the year, um, you know, DJ, I think, is going to be the highest ranked player at like 46 or 42, one of the two. And it's just everybody, it's just going to be a progressive slide from there. Eligibility and majors kind of come into question at that point, too. A lot of good golfers. A lot of good golfers out there. Yeah, I mean, you only have, what, four to five guys that are going to be exempt from the Masters for their whole life. You know, DJ, Sergio, Pat Reed, et cetera, et cetera, Phil. So it's it's going to be interesting. Cam Smith just bought himself, a, I think it's five years when you win. I think you, yeah. So you have a bunch of guys like Bryson in that, in that, pace, in that uh, kind of group, too, that are going to be able to play. And that's the only way they're going to get overall world golf ranking points. Right. You can't earn overall, as of now anyway, you can't earn those points in the Live Tour. You have to play a 72-hole golf tournament, and I believe you have to play them in, in a row too in, in sequential order. So that's something that could change, though. I, if the Live Tour gets big, I, they could change that rule. How do you weight that equally? The question to me becomes at that stage, how do you weight it equally when you have drastically different rules in both tours? Like, there isn't that much of a difference from a rules perspective in the DP World Tour or even before when it was just the the Euro uh, Tour compared to the PGA Tour. Like, golf was golf. Like, these are fundamentally different events in live. Like, 54 poles, you got drastically different rules, playing under drastically different circumstances, no cuts, money incentive totally different. Like, all of these factors make it really hard, I think, to try and, like, determine what is a 10th place finish worth here versus a 10th place finish there and how what do you do like, what do you even how do you even i think that's what that? they're going through now is, is one of the reasons why they don't but i could i could see a scenario where they where they do and they, they let um them get ranking points from the tournament yeah they might kind of have to you know if cameron smith goes and a couple other guys go they might have no other choice because they they're going to need to let the guys in the majors that's right. going to be something that's going to need if they're allowed to if they're going to allow them to play they're going to need to play all to play because the average golf fan needs to see those kind of guys on Sunday at Augusta, on Sunday at St. Andrews. Yeah, and somebody else, and, and it's interesting, we were kind of talking over the gets that the Liv has mm-hmm. picked up over the last two weeks. David Faraday? That's huge. Where's that fall? Where's that fall for you? That's up there. Um, David Faraday has, has done a very good job building a brand. Um, Faraday's show is an awesome show. It doesn't make much anymore, but... You just, you're even, when you're watching, even the average golf fan, they start talking, and David Faraday starts talking, you know who he is. Yeah. He has a distinct accent, a distinct way of words, too. He's very funny. He's very, dry, he's very like, kind of, dry is the right word, but very, like, kind of deadpans everything, and, it, and quite frankly, very funny. So I think that's a pretty big get. You know, that, to me, I don't know if, if you agree with this yourself, Josh, but that gets, that's up there with the Dustin Johnson accusation with the, the Phil as a musician, with a possible Cameron Smith. That's, that rivals those, those picks. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I would say it's probably... I even would take it a step further and say it's the biggest, because I can think back to my childhood. You know, like Obviously, 
Um, my, me growing up in golf and being a fan of golf is a lot different than, um, I think the average person, but I can remember playing like Tiger Woods video games with Gary McCord and David Faraday being the announcers on the game. Like, and he has been uh, around for decades and just been the most steady voice or one of the most steady voices in golf broadcast. Yes. And he's, it's gone. Now, reading some of the reaction to that was interesting because I think there was, which wasn't really reported when it was happening, but between 2015 and present day, there were a lot of kind of like missteps in terms of where he was and how um, the networks that he was working with, CBS before, NBC, um, now how they kind of like floundered the opportunity to use him correctly, which that that happens, big companies, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I still think he's a guy that's at the top of his game, right? Like he's still a guy who's considered to be a, a big voice in golf, and that's huge. And he has a brand. I think that's the biggest part of it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's David Faraday. It's that, it's that great accent, like I was saying. You always know who he is, what he's talking about, the way he uses his words. It's, and it's a big get. I mean, you take a look at the other big gets for the live. Dustin, like I said, Dustin, Phil, Bryson, Patrick Reed, Stenson, which is who is the Ryder Cup captain for Europe, yep. which, is, which is huge news, I think, Let, out of late last week with Henrik Stenson going to join the live tour. Now the Ryder Cup has to scramble to find somebody else to captain it, or do they make a misstep and allow Stenson to still be the captain? That that's going to be really fun to really watch because if these zero these zero guys, i.e. Poulter, Answer Perez or not Perez and Garcia go go to or they're going to the Live Tour and they're not going to be able to play in the Ryder Cup, isn't the U.S. just going to walk all over them with your Morikawa, with Scotty Scheffler and all those different guys? Cam, if Cam Smith goes to the Live Tour, they lose another guy. But yeah, I mean, that's Perez's cup, but. and that kind of debate is. Probably the Stenson grab feels more like um, Liv just trying to poke us. That's the only reason they did it, because he's a Ryder Cup captain. I mean, nobody nobody would want him otherwise, right? Like we we can yeah. say that. Can we say that? He missed the cut at the Open. Yeah, I mean, he just he's he's another one of the Phil Mickelson esque grabs, minus having the brand that came along with Phil before all of the drama that he threw himself into over the last like eight months. Yeah, Phil, I mean, Phil will always be in America's heart, right? Lefty, you know, he's always been so fun to watch and, and fun to be around. So I think that's a huge get, but Phil's on the back nine of his career, so it's so not too bad. Before we get into what's coming up this week with the 3M, um, one open question to me that I think is worth talking a little bit about before we go, um, the rooting factor of uh, the announcers, the broadcast, and kind of all of sports media uh, appearing to rally behind Rory like starting Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, um, and then that continuing all through the weekend and being really loud and really obvious come Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Did it feel off? Did it feel like something that wasn't quite up to par for what the product needs to be? Yeah. As a guy that does sports broadcasting, that's something you like to try to stay away, stay away from. But I think due to the factor of Liv and, and like we said, Rory McIlroy being kind of the, the poster child for the PGA Tour and being able to speak so freely and, and well with words, I think that's the biggest reason why, why the whole country, why the broadcast was quote-unquote rooting for him. Um, I don't think that had anything to do with Rory not being able to come out with a victory. 
Right. Which oh, is yeah, a good no. thing. Um, Rory, I mean, Rory doesn't, didn't hear a, set, a single thing. Yeah. But um, it's interesting because it's something that I noticed, and I think I sent you a message. I was like, they're openly rooting for Rory McIlroy, and it's a little bit strange. Felt weird. Times. Felt really weird. Yeah. And I would say that for it'll be something that gets forgotten really quickly. Yes. Right? It's like nobody, forgotten, I think. Nobody's going to remember how the announcers were really like not doing a great job of staying unbiased coming, coming down the stretch, especially on Sunday. Um, but it doesn't look good. Like I don't think it paints a really great picture for the, the, the program itself, if we're going to call it that. It, it's tough because it makes it look, and it put more focus, I think, on the live side of things. Than yeah, it needed to at that point because it just kept like every time it was this, you know, every time it seemed like Rory was coming up, it, they were also kind of mentioning or or referencing the things he said about Liv, and it just felt like when you're in the moment, when you're in in competition like that, you know, I if if Rory or you know folks in the media want to talk about it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, even Thursday before play starts, fine. But once play starts, let it go until it's over. And, you know, if that's what you want it to be, let it be then. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't make it part of, the, part of the show. It's not a good look. What a story it would have been, though, if he won. If he won, it would have been maybe oh. the biggest. It would have possibly been the biggest story in golf, and it really would have shaken up the player of the year debate, yes. which is like firing on all cylinders now. It, it's, it's pretty much a two-man race, it seems. Yep. But had he won, or even if he gets hot and has a good run in August, which we'll be talking about in future episodes for sure, um, it really would have shaken things up. If Cam Smith wants to just go join Liv, it's going to be a really easy decision. Though. Oh, my God. That, it's, not even, <laughs> it's not even a decision at that point. It's just it's one guy, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, aside from that, there was uh, – you want to get it – let's get into the, the, the British Open and its – place in majors. I talked, I mentioned it early on, but I want to, I want to talk about St. Andrews. Um, should that be in the rotation at this point? Yes, I, I think so. Definitely. Cause that was, that was a legitimate question that kept popping up on Twitter, especially um, over the weekend when these guys were just absolutely tearing it up. I think there's just too much history there to, to go away from it. Yeah. Um, just accept. If, yeah, because there's no way you can make it longer. That's the only thing that's kind yeah. of unfortunate. It is really fun to watch guys drive par fours. Yeah. It's just the shared greens thing to me is a little bit weird. Yeah. But that's kind of how golf was created and golf and was rooted, rooted in, and we shouldn't ignore that in my opinion. Agreed. And I think I came full circle on that because I was in the beginning of the week. I think I texted you about 30 times complaining about various aspects of St. I think Andrews. I did too, yeah. <laughs> and... It just played so short, but by the end of the weekend, um, you just accept the fact that it's a short course, that the modern professional golfer is going to rip to shreds if there is no wind or rain or um, weather elements, and that's just it. We just accept it for what it is. The wind gets up to 30 miles an hour. Well, the course becomes unplayable. It's it's unplayable because the ball doesn't stay on the green. And that's crazy too, because then you start to think like you have this really small window of what like playable conditions are at St. Andrews, which is a whole separate like conversation and debate. Right. Uh, we've got more golf coming up this week. 3M. What do we got going on there? TPC Twin Cities in Blaine, Minnesota. Take a look at our past champions, 2021 Cameron Champ. Haven't heard that name in a while. Interesting, isn't it? Feels feels like it's Michael been Thompson in 2020, 2019 Matt Wolf. This is what Jordan Spieth would call a wedge contest. You get, got, oh. you get right around that 20-under number is going to be what you need for it to win. And 
I, I like watching that though as well. I like watching guys hit it in tight and knocking in putts. It's, it's fun. I, I really do like watching it. Yeah. And I think after kind of what would normally be an open weekend where scoring under normal circumstances is a lot lower, it's a good, it's a nice kind of like exciting rebound, especially yeah. when you've got a field. Uh, I was looking at strength of uh, field and it's not a very strong or impressive yeah. field. Do so live and the know. open. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, you know, um, Chaz Reeve enters off his win last week at the Barracuda. He's, I saw he's like in one of the top 10 uh, odds favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thigala, obviously, playing. That's, that would be a, him getting a win now would probably be the best timed thing um, we've seen in golf because he's been so close and it seemed like he had some energy coming into the open and then just kind of well. hung around for a couple days. Didn't have a bad showing, but like it seems like his game is where it needs to be to get a win. For sure. So it'd be a, a week to get it. But like, you know, Tony Finau, Adam Hadwin, Cam Davis, they're kind of the only like household names really that are playing. Jackie Matsuyama. Matsuyama is playing as well. It was I mean, rumored to go to live the live tour. Like he's just gonna. They did that. He's been rumored for like two weeks, and now he's just gonna come back to the states to play in a PGA Tour event. I don't really know what's going on there. Um, I'd like to see an update from Hideki's camp, but he's in the field. He's in the field. And maybe playing. And maybe winning. Maybe winning. Maybe winning. Um, you have a pick? Ooh. You have a pick? Um, like just a winner pick. Who's going to win it? I think Thigala is going to go win it. I like that. I think Tringali will compete. You see, you see that guy compete a lot. Um, I, I would love to see him win. I, I do like his game. Um, he's always right there. You can just never kind of figure that out on Sunday. So give me Cam Tringali. Why not? All right. I like that. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's kind of it. Um, so a couple things that we're going to have coming up in the next uh, few episodes here. Um, golf bag giveaway. Oh. Like free stuff. Who doesn't like free stuff? Uh, we're going to give away a Callaway golf bag. Um, and also we're going to be starting up a, we'll call it local regional segment, where we touch on some of the, uh, some of the things in local golf that we're seeing or regional golf that we're seeing in upstate New York, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be pretty cool because it's going to give us an opportunity to kind of uh, shine a light on the, the non-elite side of golf, the, the side of golf that is the everyman, right. uh, the person who's going out and playing in league on a Wednesday afternoon or the person who's going out with their buddies uh, Saturday or Sunday morning and just playing around just to play around. Not too worried about score, maybe not breaking 100, maybe not breaking 120. Yeah, but that doesn't even matter. But that doesn't even matter, right? So like the, the everyday golf, and I think that's going to be pretty uh, awesome. But that's, that's what we got. And there's so many fun golf courses in this area, in Rochester. You know, you take a look at all the different public golf courses. I won't even start naming some for fear of leaving some out because it's just a hotbed, I think. Dozens. You, you have a place that Rochester was 40, 50 years ago, a lot of private golf clubs you have Blue Heron in Macedon where Jack Nicholas came and played it and raved about it. Now that's completely public. Yeah. So it's just it's unreal how many good golf courses and fun tracks there are to play around this area and in Rochester too as well. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So thanks for listening. The first episode of Out of Bounds Podcast. We'll be here every week, Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. here on the FingerLakes1.com YouTube channel. Shout out to Paul Russo for helping us out here today. Hopefully we'll hear from him in the next few episodes coming up. So. Yep, be sure to listen on here on YouTube. Go back and watch, listen to on Spotify, Anchor as well. Make sure you like, share, subscribe here on YouTube. So for Josh Durso, my name is Nate Sharman. Thanks for listening to the first ever episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast. Have a great day. 